Hi, it's me, Kayla White, the host of Valley 101. A quick note about today's episode. Part of this episode contains information that may not be appropriate for our younger audience. Please keep that in mind as you listen. Thank you. James C. Tepeshlikai is a state senator for Arizona's 7th Legislative District. She grew up on the Navajo Nation. It's where she lives today, too. And as a kid, the lessons she learned about Christopher Columbus and colonization lacked substance. Well, I remember, I think it was just in my really early years, uh, finding out about Arizona statehood, um, coloring books with Father Kino in it, uh, the conquistadors, um, that type of thing. Uh only touching on Native Americans just uh, in passing, never going in-depth into anything. She said she absorbed those messages. She described herself as being in learning mode, soaking up information as it was presented to her. You know, I was a Native American living in Arizona, growing up in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and... You know, I just didn't question the authority of how this came about. The this that she's referring to is a depiction of indigenous people and their history that didn't reflect her family. It's an image that she said was reinforced by pop culture. Uh, John Wayne um, dragging women around, you know, Native American women around, calling them squaw. Or the Disney movie Pocahontas. Which um, does not really show the strength of Native American women. And it's part of the reason the movement to recognize Indigenous Peoples Day instead of Christopher Columbus Day is so important to her. She feels that recognition would correct a biased narrative around Indigenous culture. A Native American woman growing up in the two worlds of traditional and um, modern day, you're like a unicorn or a pegasus. People have only heard of you on the other side of the world. You're almost a mythical creature. And you don't realize how special and unique you are. And you have to hang on to our culture and our language because pretty soon it might be a thing of the past. Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com where we answer the questions you ask about Metro Phoenix. I'm your host, Kayla White. Today, we're looking into the movement to recognize Indigenous Peoples Day in Arizona. We'll also talk about the history of Columbus Day in the United States and why some people are pushing back against it. Joining us in telling this story is Sean Dean Silversmith, our Indigenous Affairs reporter. Indigenous Peoples Day is a holiday that celebrates the heritage and contributions of the First Peoples of the United States. The movement to observe Indigenous Peoples Day instead of Columbus Day started in the 1970s. But to understand its roots, you have to go back to the infamous year of 1492. When it comes to Christopher Columbus, many school children learned the jingle, in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. But our understanding of that event is oftentimes surface level. U.S. history tends to inaccurately portray Columbus. 
But it's the question of Columbus's treatment of the indigenous people he encountered that's often overlooked. For critics of Columbus, that's the most crucial aspect of his story. Lawrence Bergreen is a historian and author of Columbus, The Four Voyages. Lawrence said that Columbus is not just controversial now, he was controversial in his lifetime as well. Columbus was a brilliant navigator. He crossed the Atlantic on four different journeys with almost no loss of life at sea. A devout Catholic, Columbus's voyages were partially a religious mission. But they also went for commercial reasons. Um, they went to get really rich, really wealthy. Columbus did not land in North America. Instead, his 1492 voyage brought him to the Bahamas. He never, not only did he never set foot in North America, he never knew it existed. Lawrence said that slavery and indentured servitude were fairly common in Genoa, Italy, where Columbus came from. Often they came from Eastern Europe, um, but it was a common thing, and there was a shortage of uh, uh, manpower. In December of 1492, Columbus and his men reached Hispanola. Today, that island includes the countries of Haiti and the Dominican Republic. Also, it seemed to him that slaves could be extremely valuable. So, if you will, the better angels of his nature uh, receded and this... Um, this greed uh, took over, uh, and that, that happened more and more. Columbus and his men enslaved the indigenous people they encountered. Indigenous women and girls were raped and sexually abused by Columbus's men. Although Lawrence said such behavior was common for explorers at the time, Columbus's treatment of indigenous people was decried even then. Especially uh, when uh, clergy got to, or former clergy uh, got there, they really took uh, Columbus to task. Uh, the most famous one was a guy named Bartolome de las Casas, um, who denounced um, these examples of Spanish cruelty. In an interview with The Guardian, Lawrence estimated that there were 300,000 indigenous Taino people in Espanola when Columbus arrived. By 1550, just over 50 years later, there were just 500. Some died from European diseases that hadn't existed before colonization, such as smallpox. Others committed suicide, but the result was the genocide of an entire indigenous community. Columbus would leave his mark on the world. His voyages would establish what's called the Columbian Exchange. The most common example, which is accurate, is the tomato. The tomato did not exist in Italy before Columbus, but once it was introduced, it reshaped the cuisine of that country. He introduced Christianity to places where it's still flourishing today, but that's just a portion of his legacy. But he set in motion a mass... Um uh, kind of exploration, exploitation, uh, that eventually did spread out to, to North America. This includes the arrival of British and French colonialists and traders in North America, because again, Columbus never stepped foot in the United States. 
That period of colonization also brought brutality and genocide to the indigenous peoples of North America as well. A February 2019 study published in the journal Quaternary Science Review estimated that 50 million indigenous peoples died between 1492 and 1600. That represented 10% of the world's population at the time. Diseases like smallpox, measles, and the flu from Columbus's men and other explorers were largely responsible. But the rapid population decline was so great it caused a little ice age or period of cooling that lasted until the mid 19th century. So how did Columbus Day become a national holiday? In 1937, Franklin Delano Roosevelt declared Columbus Day a national holiday. And we have to remember that back in those days, in a very short period of time, over four million Italians immigrated into the U.S. And it's recorded that Italians at the time were treated with hostility, discriminated.、Uh, they were discriminated against, and you know, and they were stereotyped. That's Francesco Guzzol. He's the executive director of the Italian Association of Arizona. It's a group that's dedicated to connecting Italian Americans across the state. It also promotes Italian arts and culture. Francesco said that between 1890 and 1920, there were 50 documented lynchings of Italians. So all of those things created a rift between the two countries, the U.S. and Italy, and in politics, and they needed to be mended somehow. Francesco said that Italians. Had been celebrating Columbus in the United States since 1860. He's in a very informal way、uh, to honor the heritage that they shared with. At the time, they considered Columbus a famous explorer. Eventually, the Knights of Columbus began rallying to make Columbus Day a national holiday. Their intent was to honor the contributions Italians and Catholics made to the United States. Signing a declaration celebrating Columbus Day would help bridge a gap between the Catholic Italian immigrants and their counterparts. But Lawrence, the historian, said that was a secondary motivation for Roosevelt. He wanted to bring the Italian American block of voters into the Democratic fold, and so therefore, one of his ways of doing it was to make Columbus Day a national holiday, and it's been that way ever since. Over time, that elevated status has translated into large annual celebrations in cities like Chicago and New York. For Francesco, the day is about more than its namesake. Here's what he said when asked about what Columbus Day means to him.、Um, you know, and it was interesting when I was doing some digging and researching. I came across、um, it wasn't really a quote; it was just part of what this、uh, reporter had written. Columbus, and what she said was, the history and meaning of Columbus is different than the history and meaning of Columbus Day. Columbus's arrival decimated millions of people seen as "quote unquote" others, while Columbus Day tried to guarantee that such racial, ethnic, or religious massacres wouldn't happen in America again. And that's really what Columbus Day should have signified. Or meant to be represented or representative of for all of us, but that message does not resonate with everyone. It never spoke to me as an indigenous woman. That's Laura Medina. She's an organizer with Indigenous Peoples Day Arizona. 
She also works as a student success and retention coordinator for Indigenous students at Arizona State University. Now, of course, with um, with us as a society moving towards a more correct narrative, we are learning that Columbus, of course, never discovered because there was always Indigenous people here um, that had advanced civilizations and societies. Senator Peshlakai, who you heard from in the beginning of the episode, said that we need an Indigenous People's Day to acknowledge the effects of colonialism. The largest mass execution in U.S. history was the Mankato hangings. On December 27, 1862, 38 Dakota men were hanged for crimes they allegedly committed during the U.S.-Dakota War. A report from Minnesota Public Radio said that many historians believed the trials were a sham. Indigenous Americans were not allowed to vote until 1948, when two World War II veterans sued for that right. Some states used tactics like poll taxes to prevent Indigenous Americans from voting, even after that. A free and clear right to vote did not arrive until 1965 with the Voting Rights Act. But the day would accomplish more than highlight brutal aspects of the past. It would highlight the contributions Indigenous peoples have had to our country. She talked about the Navajo Code Talkers who developed an unbreakable code during World War II. Their contributions in the Pacific helped the U.S. win the war. She mentioned John Harrington of the Oklahoma Chickasaw Nation, who is a NASA astronaut. She also said that teaching a more nuanced, accurate story about Columbus would help both Indigenous and non-Indigenous children. And with the COVID-19 pandemic, the push for recognition of Indigenous Peoples Day has become more urgent. Renowned medical journal The Lancet said the foundations of colonization contribute to the spread of communicable diseases. If you're wondering how the consequences of colonization still linger today, think about this. The U.S. government signed 370 treaties with indigenous communities from 1778 to 1871. Included in those treaties were promises to provide health care. The government has vastly underprovided in this regard. For instance, the Navajo Nation is the size of West Virginia, but it only has 12 hospitals and health systems. West Virginia has 63 hospitals and health systems. At one point during the pandemic, the Navajo Nation surpassed New York in per capita cases of COVID-19. Senator Peshlakai says she was attending two to three funerals a week. So many of our elders have passed away. And their irreplaceable um, uh, sources of knowledge and teachings and um, it's slipping through our fingers. So how are Indigenous communities advocating for the holiday? There are two schools of thought on this. There are grassroots organizers who work with Indigenous peoples and their allies. And there are political organizers who work within our government. Let's explore these different paths, starting with grassroots organizers. Laura Medina is the organizer with Indigenous Peoples Day Arizona, who you heard from earlier. She's been working with the organization since 2015. 
Here's how she described its origins. Okay, let's start organizing a community event where we can start having these very much needed discussions like land and water defense, decolonization, indigenous resistance, resurgence, and various other issues, but surrounding it around the idea of Indigenous Peoples Day, which is a bigger national movement to abolish Columbus Day. Laura said their group attempted to work with municipal and state governments, but the process was cumbersome. It felt like they were set up to fail. But then, you know, we found um we found that it was a lot more fulfilling, I guess you would say, just organizing events, um, focusing on our Indigenous people and allies. They organized events to protect Oak Flat from a copper mine. It's an area of cultural and religious importance to Arizona tribes, including the San Carlos Apache Nation. They also protested the construction of the 202 on South Mountain, land that is of great importance to the autumn. And we've also organized, of course, every year we have an Indigenous Peoples Day celebration open to the public. It's free. Um, you know, p- before COVID, it would be in person where we would have free food, uh, music, speakers, artists. Um, and it was in many vendors. And it was just an overall an amazing event where people were not only entertained, but were engaged in discussion. So that's one approach, to work directly with communities rather than officials. The other is to work within our current political structure to enact change. This approach is represented by Senator Peshlakai and her efforts. When she joined the Arizona House of Representatives in 2013, Senator Peshlakai co-sponsored a bill with Representative Sally Ann Gonzalez to honor Indigenous Peoples Day. But it didn't pass. Senator Peshlakai said that her opponents were often dismissive. This is not going to be fine. Uh, we have too many Italian-Americans, too, too many Catholics. Laura and Senator Peshlakai also had different reactions as cities have taken action. For instance, in 2016, the city of Phoenix voted to recognize Indigenous Peoples Day. The move came after two non-Indigenous men put forth an application for historical commemoration. It's worth noting that the move didn't create an official city holiday. It also did not replace Columbus Day, which the city doesn't observe as a city holiday. Laura said she understood why the city of Phoenix moved to recognize Indigenous Peoples Day without replacing Columbus Day. She said steps like that make the public happy. But she also said that it was frustrating. I mean, the reason why I didn't really push for the political movement was because it was so hard to navigate it. You know, we uh, we seeked out multiple advice on, you know, do we make this a state? Do we make this a municipal? How do we even go about a, a state holiday? What is the difference between a declaration and a state holiday? Um, and so all those questions, it was, it was like very hard to get the answer to. She also felt like the move by the city was insufficient. All right, but you can do a lot more. <laughs> Almost like you have so much power, you have so much clout. On the other hand, Senator Peshlakai was happy when she found out what the city did. She felt it was the right thing to do. And so I really applaud every mayor and city council and the people that made those efforts uh, possible and to become a reality.
And this difference in approach and reaction would continue alongside the movement for Indigenous Peoples Day. Eventually, Senator Peshlakai ran for a seat in the Arizona Senate. When she was voted into the Arizona State Senate in 2017, she proposed a bill to honor Native American Day. I actually got it passed and the governor signed it, but it's for June 2nd. That's the day President Calvin Coolidge signed the Indian Citizenship Act, an act that granted citizenship to any Indigenous American born in the country. Senator Peshlakai understands why the date was chosen, but she feels there are two issues with it. And, you know, in Arizona, it's so hot by June 2nd, and it almost has, there's no, uh, there's no, really no connection to that date for the people. The celebration on June 2nd felt insufficient. She wasn't sure if change would come. Then she got a call. There was a small group of young people, uh, Mr. Dylan Baca with the uh, Indigenous Peoples Initiative, contacted me and asked me, Senator, please, please run this bill again. Let's fix Columbus Day. Dylan Baca is an 18-year-old high school senior. He's a citizen of the White Mountain Apache tribe and through his Che, or grandfather, he is also Navajo. He lives in the White Mountains and founded the Indigenous Peoples Initiative. Dylan said that he wanted to start the organization to advocate on behalf of marginalized communities. He shares the same concerns as others over the depiction of Columbus in U.S. history, and he sees Indigenous Peoples Day as the solution. And really, with the passing of Indigenous Peoples Day, we see it as an opportunity to have the ability to construct our own narrative uh, as Indigenous peoples and have that narrative constructed by Indigenous peoples. So that's really important. On September 4th, Governor Doug Ducey signed a proclamation recognizing Indigenous Peoples Day on Monday, October 12th, which is also Columbus Day. It does not replace Columbus Day since it is a proclamation, not an executive order. It's only valid for a year. So as of right now, this is the only year that Arizona as a whole will recognize Indigenous Peoples Day. But Senator Peshlakai said that's a small coup in and of itself. She said she applauds the Republican governor for his actions. And I hope people understand the significance of um, his signing the proclamation. A spokesperson for Ducey said that the governor was grateful for the contributions and influence of Arizona's Native American communities. But both Dylan and Senator Peshlakai suspected there were other reasons for signing such a proclamation. I do think it had to do with the election, um, and I do also think it had to do with the racial tensions that we're currently seeing, not only in our own state, but across uh, the United States and even shared with our global community. Uh, I think it was in response to that in hopes of uh, some good PR. But the timing doesn't necessarily change Dylan's opinions of Ducey's actions. I do still see it as a really first step. We really have not seen that. We have not seen that from uh, any other governor in uh, 
the state of Arizona, and especially in such a conservative body currently, uh, it's a great first step. Senator Pashlikai says she was appreciative of the work the Indigenous Peoples Initiative undertook. She said they were very diplomatic in their approach, which she feels was crucial to their success. Without it, we will not be able to uh, overcome uh, racial tensions until we're able to share the beauty of uh, culture, ethnicity, um, what makes us different, diversity. But again, the Indigenous community is not a monolith. Not everyone shares the same opinions. Laura, the organizer with Indigenous Peoples Day Arizona, had mixed feelings about Ducey's announcement. Now it's just like, you know, I, I just kind of look at it and, you know, I smile and I, I giggle really because it's, it's cute. It's cute that they're still like, they're, they're trying. She says she wants to give Ducey and his administration the benefit of the doubt. But it seemed like a way to honor Indigenous communities without any expense. Although, she said there are upsides to it. Um, you know, I mean, without this type of news and this type of action from Doug Ducey, really there would um, be little opportunity of media wanting to reach out to organizations such as us. For Laura, what's most telling will be what comes next with Ducey's administration. And and so I hope, you know, you know they do maybe consider some hard, actionable items like really calling attention to our homeless relatives, our relatives who live on the street, you know, and, and the health disparities. So what does come next? Dylan said that for the time being, his organization has paused its lobbying efforts around Indigenous Peoples Day. Instead, they are responding to the COVID-19 pandemic by donating supplies like hand sanitizer and food. But as the White Mountain Apache Nation begins to reopen, Dylan says the Indigenous Peoples Initiative will pick up its efforts. So if we were to push for an executive order, uh, it could obviously be overturned by the next governor or, uh, who, or even the legislative body. So what we plan on doing is proposing legislation in the 2021 uh, legislative session to um, remove Columbus Day and celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day instead. In order to achieve that, Dylan said the Indigenous Peoples Initiative has begun networking with different tribal leaders. Their hope is that having a wider network will increase their odds of success. For Senator Peshlakai, the next step is to have Indigenous Peoples Day replace Columbus Day at the federal level. And that's really the right thing to do because we are the Americas and the United States is first and foremost and always has been and always will be uh, Indigenous people's sacred homeland. Senator Peshlakai said she's working on the effort with a team of lawmakers from various states, including Congresswoman Norma Torres from California. As a board member of Dillon's organization, Senator Peshlakai is working in tandem with them, although they're uncertain when the bill would appear in Congress. But we, uh, in the end, hope to have this at every, um, all 50 states, townships and cities uh, uh, can use it. Of course, there will be opposition to this idea. Francesco is the executive director of the Italian Association of Arizona. You heard him from earlier in this episode. 
He felt that the Italian community in Arizona was not included in the discussions to recognize Indigenous Peoples Day by either the city of Phoenix or the governor, Doug Ducey. Francesco said that if Columbus needs to be removed from annual celebrations, then it should become an opportunity to celebrate the contributions of Italian Americans instead. I think it's great that there is recognition for Indigenous people. As a matter of fact, I, it, it's probably time that that happens um, because they've been marginalized and mistreated throughout history. But as I mentioned earlier, I think it should happen on a day that's dedicated specifically for them. And we should leave Columbus Day as it is and maybe change the name to perhaps Italian Heritage Day. But no matter the outcome of that legislation, Dylan said that instituting Indigenous Peoples Day is just a start. Yes, I think it's important to recognize that Indigenous Peoples Day alone will not alleviate all problems on a reservation. According to the 2018 U.S. Census data, Indigenous Americans experienced the highest rate of poverty out of any ethnic group in the country. In 2018, Indigenous Americans experienced unemployment at a level of 6.6%. That was also higher than any other group. A study from the National Institute of Justice found that more than half of Indigenous women have been sexually assaulted. One-third have been raped. Another study from the U.S. Department of Justice found that murder rates of Indigenous women are up to 10 times higher than the national average for all races. Uh, and though we're working to celebrate this holiday um, as a more positive and accurate narrative of Native Americans, we also hope that we can work to solve those problems as well. Hey, it's me, Kayla, again. Sean Dean, thank you so much for your in-depth look at Indigenous Peoples Day. For those who want to follow your work, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Dean Silversmith. That's D-I-I-N Silversmith. Well, listeners, that's all for today. Today's episode was produced by podcast editor Katie O'Connell. Thank you so much for listening to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. If you haven't done so yet, please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Kayla White, signing off for this week.